We are so glad you're here with us at Journey Church Online. If you're interested in getting more information about Journey Church, we have a messaging service where you can text the phrase, My Welcome, to 94000. This will help you to get to know a little bit more about Journey Church. Also, if you want updates, text to your phone about what's going on here at Journey Church. Text My Journey to 94000. Now, let's prepare our hearts and minds for the message that God has for us today. Hey guys, welcome to Journey Online. We're so glad you're joining us again today. And today we start a new series called Committed. And uh, today we're going to be looking at um, what it means to be a follower of Christ. Uh, too often, you know, we hear the word Christian or follower of Christ. But what does that look like? What does that, what does that mean? And, and so we want to look into the, the scriptures and the text today. And we want to see, you know, what is it exactly that, that Jesus is calling us to do? And so today we're looking at the cost of following Jesus, the cost of following Christ. What does that look like? What is that? How does that affect my life? Because too often what we, we really want is we want Jesus and we want to be saved, but we're really not really sure we really want to be fully committed or really all in. And uh, so I want us to look at a passage, and there's a couple of different passages we can look at. Uh, we're going to look, be looking in, in Luke chapter 9, but there's a couple of places where Jesus challenges us and calls us to count the cost of following him. You know, and, and there are times it looks like that Jesus is trying to talk people out of uh, following him. Even though he knows the perils that they face, it looks like he said, hey, listen, I'm just telling you, this is what it's going to take. This is what it's going to cost you. And you really need to weigh it out. You really need to think it out. And so a lot of times I think we think, hey, well, let's just let's make the steps easy and obvious. And I know we, we cover that a lot in, in church settings. But here's what Jesus did. He did just the opposite of that. He said, hey, guys, I want you to see how hard it's going to be. And I want you to see what it's going to cost you. And so here we are looking at a passage in Luke chapter 9, and Jesus is talking about what it's going to cost. And so there's some things that have just happened. You know, Jesus had to kind of deal with a squabble between a couple of brothers over who's going to be the greatest in the, in the kingdom and stuff and some of the disciples. And so he's also been faced a little bit of opposition from the Samaritans that were there. Uh, and so he's kind of dealt with that, but he's walking down the road and his conversation pops up. It says, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to even lay his head. He said to another person, come follow me. And the man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Jesus told him, he says, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. And so what we see here is Jesus is talking about, you know, hey, listen, I want you to come follow me, but I'm just telling you it's going to cost you something. It's going to be, it's going to be pretty intense. And what we're doing, you know, it's going to change the world. 
And so we look back and we see this passage here, and it, it almost sounds like Jesus is uh, heartless, but we know he's not. We know that God loves us. God loved us so much that he sent us Jesus, who would go to the cross and who would die for our sins, who would literally bleed out his precious blood to wash away our sins. But here Jesus says, hey, listen, if you're going to follow me, I'm just telling you, it's not easy. It's one of the greatest challenges to be a godly man or a godly woman. I've told people that for years, you know, the toughest thing you could do is to be that godly person you know, it's a challenge like no other. And so Jesus is saying, hey, listen, if you're, going to, if you're going to follow me, you have to leave everything behind. And for a lot of us, man, that's, that's, that's asking too much. And, and you'll see in Scripture and in where God reveals that there'll be a lot of people that will say, hey, it's too much. It costs too much. It's not what I'm willing to give up or sacrifice or even, you know, lay down. You know, I, I would love to know that I'm in right relationship with God. I would love to know that I'm going to heaven. But, man, I don't know if I want to sacrifice. I really don't know if I want to have to give up anything. Most of us just want to kind of sprinkle a little Jesus on top of our life. And, and we think, hey, if I just put a little Jesus on there, I'll be covered. And I can still do whatever I want to do. But that's not what Scripture teaches at all. There may be some churches out there. There may be some denominations that teach that. But I'm just telling you, that's not what the, the Word of God says. And so here's the thing. is We've got to be willing to say, you know, God, you know, what is it that you have called me to do? And, and so as they have been going through this, you know, Jesus has experienced, you know, he's experienced some pushback from some of the Samaritans. He's had to kind of deal with a squabble among the disciples. But here, you know, he's got people saying, hey, I'll follow you. I'll go with you. I'll do whatever. But Jesus, he knew their heart. You know, and that's the thing. Jesus knew their heart. He, he knew what that was really there. And so everyone loved, you know, the, the miracles, the healings, the, the free food. They loved that. I mean, everyone's like, hey, man, you know, fishes and loaves, man, this is pretty good. They love that. They love to see the miracles. You know, who doesn't like to see a miracle? I love when I hear, you know, a miracle is taking place. We all do. I mean, we love miracles. And so everyone loved the miracles. They loved the healings. You know, you see, you know, old Joe, you know, who's been crippled all his life. Man, you see him walking around. You see him cutting a rug. You see him dancing. You're going, man, this is awesome. And so everyone loved this. But here's the, here's the look at this next statement here. But Jesus knew their hearts. He knew they desired their, the benefits of what he did rather than understanding of who he was. See, Jesus wants us to love him for who he is and to see him for who he is. That he is a, a holy God. He is a righteous God. He is a gracious, gracious God. But he's also a God who says, hey, listen, there are, there, there are qualifications. There are things that you must do. And so they, they had a tough time understanding who he was. It was all about the benefits. So they loved his gifts but not the life he was calling them to. They loved what he could provide. They loved what he would, you know, would put in front of them. But, man, they, they were not so sure they loved what he was calling them to. And I think that's where we are today, you know, in the, in the modern church, in, in, in our services today. You know, we just want a little Jesus sprinkled in. But, man, we don't want to really give up anything. And so what does it mean to be committed? To be committed to something, be all in to something. You know, and, and so I think there are times that we, we struggle with, with being committed to anything, you know, whether it's to, you know, a marriage or whether it's to a church or whether it's to, you know, a friend or whether it's to a job. You know, there's so many things in this day and age where it's almost accepted to not be committed to anything, but to kind of really just kind of go with the flow and whatever feels good, you do that, but to not have any real commitment whatsoever. And, and so Jesus, Jesus is calling us to total commitment he's calling us to total surrender and so jesus is asking for a total commitment from these people and a total surrender of their lives he's saying hey listen you know let the dead bury the dead you know in other words hey listen if you're coming with me you may have to leave everything behind 
if you're coming with me, you know, and you're going to follow me, it may cost you your life. But you've got to be willing to be committed to no matter what it takes. Hey, this, that, that's what I want and that's where I want to go. And so Jesus was talking, calling for total commitment, total surrender. And so here's a, here's a statement. I love this. It says, a partial surrendered life says, I'll believe God for some things, but I'll not trust Him for everything. And so there are some things that we'll believe God for. Like there are some, and there are probably some of you that are listening to me, that you go, you know, hey, man, I have, I, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. And, and I'll just tell you, for years, most of my life, I believed that Jesus died on the cross. I believed that He was resurrected from the dead, but it didn't affect my life. I didn't trust Him or surrender my life with, with, to Him. I didn't surrender my life to Him. I didn't trust Him to save me. I just believed some things about Him. And I think there are a lot of times that we have people around us and people that claim to be Christians and followers of Christ that believe you know, part of what God says, but they don't trust Him for everything. I was on the phone last night with a good friend, and we were talking about trust and and, and I was actually doing sermon prep whenever he called me. And uh, he, he's a guy that uh, I've known for years, that God is doing incredible things in his, in his life. And we were just talking about some of the things. And he was telling me about a dream that he had, he had had. And, uh, man, I'm talking about he had it in graphic detail. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when I have a dream, there's a lot of times I wake up and, you know, I remember it for a few seconds. But if I go brush my teeth, you know, I forgot what that dream was about. And I don't know what that's about. But, but man, he has this dream in vivid detail and he has this whole scene where he walks through. But there's a statement that God makes to him. And he says, hey, listen, this is God's anointed. When will you trust me? And so what God is calling you and me to do is he's to trust us with everything. You know, to trust him with everything. To trust him with, with our lives. To trust him with our, our career. To trust him with our well-being. To trust him with our retirement. And, you know, and, and that does not line up with oftentimes what the world says we should do. But Jesus is calling people. You know, to trust Him for everything. A partially surrendered life says, I'll believe God for some things, but not trust Him for everything. We'll trust God, or we'll believe that God can save us. We just don't believe that He can take care of us financially. We don't believe that He can put the right person in our life. And so that's kind of a, a partially surrendered life. But when we're fully surrendered, the only way we're going to get there is by spending time with Him. And so look at what it says in, re, uh, in Proverbs here. Read, read Proverbs 3, 5-6 through 6 with me. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. And so this is King Solomon, who's known as the wisest man ever, is telling you and he's telling me, hey, listen, don't depend on yourself. Don't trust yourself. But if, what you've got to do is you've got to trust in the Lord. You know, with all of your heart, do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And so what, what Solomon is saying here, King Solomon is saying, hey, listen, you've got to trust God. He knows you best. He knows what is best. And too often what we do is we put trust in us where we know, man, we know what, we're not even always faithful. We're not faithful in our thoughts. We're not faithful in our actions. We're not committed to things. You know, we're, we're inconsistent. We have all these, you know, things that, you know, pop up in our life that, you know, we, we commit to, but we tend to, you know, not follow through or whatever it might be. And so we know ourselves pretty well. So why in the world would we put all of our trust into us rather than putting our trust into the Lord? And so here, King Solomon says, hey, listen, man, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, with everything that's in you. Do not depend on your own understanding. You're going to mess up. You're going to blow it. And this is the wisest man ever saying that. And so here's the thing. We cannot follow him and the world's way at the same time. So if we're going to say that we're a follower of Christ, what does that look like? It means that we're following his teaching. We're lining up with his word. And 
we're not pursuing everything that this world says that we're to pursue. And I know there's some of you that are probably going, you know, listen, you know, that sounds a little bit too commit, too, too much commitment to me, Mike. That's asking too much, and you're exactly right. There are times that it doesn't make sense to us, not whenever we look at the American dream and we look at, you know, what the world says. It's all about making money and more money and more money and more money and more money, you know, and, and so that we can have more and more things that we will never take with us anywhere. You know, when we, when we breathe our last here, we will not take a thing that we have worked so hard to, to acquire. We won't take it with us. And too often what we do is we spend our entire life accumulating stuff that's going to rust and it's going to rot, it's going to fall apart, or either it'll be out of style or whatever. And so we spend all of our time doing that and we get to the end of our life and we realize, you know, I can't take this anywhere. I can't, I can't take this with me. And, and so we cannot be focused on both. We, we cannot follow Christ and the world's way at the same time. There's no way of doing it. And Jesus made it clear. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 7 here. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But he says you can only enter, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. Many and most is what Jesus is saying will choose that way. But the gateway to the lot, to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. So it's not necessarily that we, you know, we, we think, hey, we'll just, man, all these people are going to come to know Christ. That's the prayer. The, the Bible even says it's God's desire that all men would be saved, that everyone would put their faith in Christ. But, but Jesus, just like we talked about last week, you know, he faces the reality of that. Jesus knows, you know, the hearts of men, just like he knew the hearts of those that were saying, hey, I'll follow you, Jesus. He knew they wouldn't. It's like the rich young ruler. He knew the rich young ruler wasn't going to give up everything. He knew that his heart was more focused on his stuff than it was the God in his life. And so following Jesus may cost us more than we ever dreamed of. Following Jesus may mean we lose relationships, dreams, material things, or even our lives. Jesus is headed to a cross. If you read back in that same passage of Luke there in verse 9, it says he was resolute as he headed to Jerusalem. In other words, he was focused, he was bent, he knew that he was going to the cross. And so you got all these people saying, Jesus, I'll follow you, Jesus, I'll follow you. Jesus, I'll follow you. And he's like, no, you won't. You don't, he, he's, he already knows, man, he is bent on the cross. He is focused on the cross. And so Jesus knows, you know, hey, listen, this is going to cost me my life. Now, I'm doing this so that you might live. But a lot of them say, hey, Jesus, I'll follow you. He already knows that the disciples are going to abandon him. He already knows that Peter is going to deny him. He already knows those things because he's, he's a God who knows all things. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. So following Jesus may mean we lose relationships. In other words, there may be some people in our lives that are going to say, hey, man, listen, you're a little bit too zealous for this Jesus, man, and I'm not sure I want to be a part of that. And so they may be willing to kind of bail or kind of check out and say, hey, listen, dude, you know, more than I can handle. May lose some relationships. Maybe some friends that don't want to hang out and party because you don't party like you used to because now, man, you're in love with Jesus and all you want to talk about is how he has changed your life. And, and you, you know, and they're like, hey, listen, man, I'm not sure I want to be a part of that. But I'll tell you this, you also realize, you know, there are people that I get around in these relationships that, man, that pull me down, that cause me to, you know, to struggle. And, 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 and I, I can't be around them and really follow Christ the way that I want to. So I have to make a choice between some of these friends and sometimes the Jesus that I love, that has saved me, that has, has redeemed me, and that I want to live for. And so there were times in my life, I remember whenever I got saved, there were some relationships I had to say goodbye. I mean, I had to say, man, I can't, I can't continue to be in this relationship. Maybe that's a dating relationship. 
Maybe you're in a dating relationship and you need to say, you know, God, I need to be in this relationship. Maybe it's a, just a friendship. Maybe it's somebody that you hang out with that every time you get around them and you get in trouble, you might, have, might want to find somebody else to hang out with. What about dreams? You know, maybe your dream, I, I think about some of the people that talk about wanting to, uh, you know, fulfill these dreams. Uh, I think about Denzel Washington. You know, he often talks about how, you know, he's, he, here's, he, he's this actor, he's this millionaire, and oftentimes people will talk about how, you know, great of an actor he is. But the thing is, if you ever listen to him, he'll talk about his, you know, he really hoped that he would be a pastor. You know, not, not many people aspire or dream of being a pastor. And, but here's a guy who has everything. said, man, I really felt, felt like God was calling me to be a pastor. That's really what I aspired to do. But maybe God wanted him in movies. I don't know. But the thing is, is whatever those dreams might be, are we willing to relinquish those dreams for what, for what that we have, for what God has for us? You know, there, there are people that say, hey, you know, I want to be this or I want to be that. I've seen doctors that said, man, I feel like God wants me to be a doctor or I want to be a doctor, but you know what? I feel like God's called me to the mission field. Now, the cool thing is when those things marry up. And God sends you to school to be a doctor so you can go to the mission field. And, man, you can minister to people's physical needs so that you can have the opportunity to talk about their spiritual needs. And so, we, you know, following Jesus may mean we lose relationships, dreams, material things. It may mean that you give something up so that someone else can have their needs met. Or even our lives. We all know people that have gone to you know foreign countries and maybe served maybe in the mission field maybe you do maybe you don't but i know people that have literally put their life on the line to go to certain countries to be able to share the gospel the good news of christ now here in america you know it doesn't it doesn't cost us much sometimes to share our, share our faith i mean we can share with someone you know and we can sit down in a, a restaurant we can talk to them about christ but there are some places in the world where if you even have a bible or a track or if you mention the name of jesus christ you could be Put to death. And so there are people that literally feel called following Jesus. They feel called by Jesus. They want to follow Christ. And he sends them to one of these nations that are hostile to the, to the gospel where it, you can be beat up or you can be, you know, you can be killed because you are a believer and you're trying to share your faith. So following Christ can be one of those major things. Look what it says in, in Luke again here, in Luke chapter 9. He said to another person, come follow me. We've already read this passage, but looking back, it says, the man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, he says, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. And so what, what Jesus is saying, hey, listen, you've got to be willing to say, you know what, God, I, I love you more than anything else. And like I said, there's other places, Luke chapter 14. If we were to look in Luke chapter 14, we see where Jesus talks about counting the cost. There's a time when Jesus is gathered up and, and some people come and say, hey, listen, Jesus, your family's here. He goes, this is my family. And what he's saying, hey, listen, you've got to be willing to leave everybody behind, even your family, if need be, to follow Christ. But most people aren't willing to, to commit to that. They just want a little Jesus sprinkled in, remember? We just want a little Jesus kind of sprinkled in our life so that we can say that we're saved, so that we can kind of keep doing whatever we're doing and still chasing the American dream or whatever it might be. But we just want enough Jesus to where we're covered and hopefully we'll get into heaven. Or at least we fit in with other people who claim to be followers of Christ. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bear their own dead. And we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. But here's something I want you to understand about us as a church. You know, we're, we're committed to a, a vision that God has given us here at Journey Church. And so we're committed to a vision that God has given us. And I want you to, I want you to read along with me here. But it says, Journey Church exists. We exist for this reason. We didn't... This church was not planted just to do church. 
We weren't planted just to be another place where people could say, hey, there's a church on that corner. But Journey Church exists to reach people who are disconnected from God. So that's why we exist. That's what we feel like God put on our heart, was that we would go after the unchurched, the unsaved, the lost, if you will. But we exist to reach people who are disconnected from God and to lead them to become fully devoted followers of Christ. So our job as a church, our job as pastors and as staff and as leaders here at the church, is to do everything we can to reach people. And to reach them because we believe that, you know what, they're separated from God because of a relationship void. They don't have a relationship with God. They've never put their faith in Christ. And, and, and so here's the thing, there's lots of people in this area. We're in Alabama. I mean, we're in just north of Montgomery, Alabama. So we're in an area that is considered the Bible Belt. And we're, and we're in an area that a lot of people would say this is saturated with churches. Like, they're everywhere. But the thing is, is we believe that there are a lot of people around us that don't know Christ. They may be religious, but they don't have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so how do we, how do we go about doing this and fulfilling this mission and I want to kind of unpack a couple of these. And number one, we want to see people trusting Jesus. And so we want to reach people who are far from God. We want to reach people who are lost. We want to reach people who have never heard the gospel at all. And I think sometimes we think, well, those are people in foreign lands. No, sometimes they're your next door neighbor. You know, there are people all around us that maybe have never heard that God loves them. And he wants a relationship with them. And he has provided the way of salvation through his son, Jesus and that Jesus went to the cross and he died on that cross. And so cr- the cross is not just a piece of jewelry, but it is a symbol of something that has changed eternity. For a lot of people, man, they, they, they see it as just something symbolic or whatever. But it is a symbol of the life-changing message of the gospel. It's the, the cross, the cross of Christ. He died on that cross for you and for me so that we might live. And so we want to do everything we can to help people come to a point where they're trusting Jesus and they're, they're putting their faith in Christ. They hear the gospel. They respond to, to this, this message by faith. And then here's the next thing we want to see people do is we want to see people honoring God with their lives. We want to help people to, to know what it looks like. What does it mean to honor God? Uh, you know, and next week, actually, we're going to be teaching on that. What does it look like to honor God with your life? What does it look like to honor uh, the Word of God and to, and to live in a way that you're a godly, a godly example, you're a godly ambassador of Christ in the lives of the people around you? And that God uses your witness and He uses you in, as your living life to be a way of honoring Him. And people see that and are drawn to that. And they want to be a part of that. And so trusting Jesus is the most important thing we feel like. But honoring God with our life, it's not just putting our faith in Christ, but man, it's following Christ. It's honoring Him. And here's the next one. Making disciples. How do you make disciples? That's what the Great Commission tells us to do, is that we're to make disciples. And so what we're doing is we're teaching them everything that Jesus has taught us. We have a group of uh, ladies and men right now that are in a very intense time of discipleship with Forge Ministries and with Titus II uh, Ministries, where they're starting. And they'll, for months, they'll be studying books, and they'll be studying the, the Word of God, the God's book. They'll be studying this text, and they'll be memorizing Scripture and they'll be digging deep, and they'll be asking God to help them heal from some past wounds, but become that person who is able to literally share what they have been shared, what has been shared with them. And so they're, we're making disciples. We're teaching people to how to live according to Jesus' uh, teachings. And then here's the last one, helping others. We believe that, man, the most mature thing that we can do is be a servant. To be a servant leader, serving others and helping others, serving our community, serving people somehow, some way. And, and so... You know, it, it takes a commitment to do those things. It's just like with, with Forge and with Titus 2. That's months and months of people committing to something. 
And it's hard to get people to commit to that. I had so many people telling me, hey, man, I'm planning on doing that or I'm planning on doing this. And it's all good until, you know what, it's commitment time. And then we see people fall to the wayside. You know, talk cheap. You know, it's all about action. It's, hey, what are you, what are you willing to do? You know, I, I, it reminds me of, of my, my dog, Sadie. I have a, a dog named Sadie that, that we had got on Christmas Eve. I brought her home as a puppy. Me and my son, uh, Christian, brought her home. And, and everybody made this commitment to help train Sadie. And, and I used a, I used a trainer to help train her. This is a dummy. What you do is you, you throw this. You know, and, and Sadie will go and pick that up and pick it up. And on it, this is Sadie right here. This is a picture of Sadie. And so this is Sadie. She looks like she's pretty focused right there. That was last night, actually, as I was preparing, you know, the message for today. Uh, she's sitting beside me, and I thought about her because we spend a lot of time. Actually, every day, I'm throwing a dummy. Every day, I am throwing a dummy multiple times, sometimes in the morning, sometimes in the evening, for her to work on retrieving because we were committed to training Sadie to be a duck dog. And she's an incredible duck dog. Now, when she wants to go outside, this is what she looks like. When she goes out, wants to go outside, she's got her, you know, face right there, and she's she's begging. She's pretty much saying, "Hey, listen, can we go outside?" She wants to go retrieve, you know, this dummy. Sometimes she looks like this, which she's just being silly, and sometimes she just likes to play. And so there are times that she's just kind of silly, but she is focused most of the time. Like this first picture back up here, she's focused like that. She's like, "Hey, I want to go." Be about the business. And, but it, it's taken a lot of training and a lot of commitment for us to get there. And so, you know, we've been tr- tr- working with this. And so the other night I was out in the yard, and it, it was funny. And, it, and you'll see kind of how this fits in. But I was throwing a dummy. And so I, I threw a dummy. I threw it out there. Sadie takes off. I send her. She takes off. She gets it. And so at night, Sadie looks like she's kind of brave and bold and everything. But whenever you get to nighttime, she's a little bit nervous about the dark. And so she is literally... You know, she goes over, she picks up the bumper, she gets it in her mouth, and all of a sudden she's kind of got this, like, hey, I thought I heard something over there. You know, and she's kind of looking around, and, you know, and so so she picks it up, she takes a couple more steps, and I, maybe it was a rabbit, something was running off in the bushes, but she's kind of got that look, like, hey, I'm a little bit concerned, I thought I heard something. So I take another bumper, another dummy, and I throw it, and I throw it high enough that it gets up in the trees, and whenever it hits those trees and comes down through those trees... She is coming 900 miles an hour, and she gets over by, by, and she's about to knock me down. She's scared to death. And so she's like this big chicken at night. Now, during the day, she's bold, she's brave. Somebody knocks on her door, you think she's going to eat them alive. But the thing is, is she is a coward at night. And, and so, even though we've trained, we've done it for years, you know, still she gets a little bit nervous about some of the stuff out there. But we were committed to training Sadie. And, can make, and Sadie is, you know, she's put in her time, we put in our time. And so she is a great duck dog. So I love going hunting with her, love just spending time with her. She's one of my favorite, she's part of our family, and one of my favorite family members right now, I would probably have to say, because uh, she does everything I tell her to do just about it. But the thing is, is we, we have to understand this. We have to be committed to something. We've got to be committed to something. You know, training a dog, I don't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but here's what matters. We are committed to training people. And doing everything we can to reach the lost. We're committed to reaching the lost. We'll, we'll put time into learning how to do things that really don't matter in the grand scheme of things. I think about, you know, all the time that's put into playing sports. And sports, you know, kind of shut down right now. But there's a lot of time put into how to throw a football or how to shoot a basketball or how to throw a baseball. In the grand scheme of things, to be honest with you, those things really don't matter. We might say, well, Mike, hold on, man. You're messing with my, my favorite, my passions there. But here's the thing. 
is the question is, those people who throw those footballs and shoot those basketballs and throw those baseballs, where will they spend eternity? Because we're committed as a church and we're committed as leadership to reaching the lost. It goes back to it's why we exist. I want you to read with me in Revelation chapter 21. And and I love this passage. And most of you guys know uh, the bulk of this. Now, when we get down to the last part of it, you may go, wow, that's kind of harsh. But again, Jesus is kind of tough in what he says at times. But this is Revelation. It's a, it's a beautiful picture here. Listen to what it says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home, home is now among His people. He will live with them, and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them. What a beautiful picture. He will wipe, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. We often talk about that at a funeral. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more death. Look at that. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. We claim that passage, right? And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to, he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. So he said, hey, listen, this needs to be written down. This is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. Sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? That's who it is. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But look at verse 8. I think about Sadie. Cowards. But cowards. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshippers, and all liars, their fate is the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Whenever I read that, it's like everything comes, comes screeching to a halt. Man, that first part sounds awesome. And as a believer, man, I'm excited about that. Looking forward to the day that we are one day in His presence, man, with no more pain, no more tears, no more suffering. But when you read verse 8, and you read it, it says, Their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. It's because we, we die a physical death. We'll breathe our last. This body will breathe its last. But there will be a day when we breathe this last breath that we'll experience the spiritual death. And that separation from God in a fiery lake of burning sulfur that we call hell. So I don't know about you, but that rattles my cage. And it bothers me. Because God's word is clear. And it, and it makes it very clear there. It says, hey, write this down. This is trustworthy and true. And so here's the thing. We really believe God's word. We really believe it to be truth. And we believe that God, that people will go to a place called hell. If they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if they have not received Christ, if they have not placed their faith in Him, we really believe that God's word is true. That their destination will be what Revelation 21.8 says. And I don't know about you, but that, that, that bothers me. And so, if you wonder why we ever planted Journey Church, it was to reach people to keep them from having to go there. Now, I can't save anybody. You can't save anybody, but Jesus can. He can save everyone. He can save everyone who puts their faith in Him. Anyone who will put their faith in Christ, man, will be changed and be transformed. And so, we really believe God's Word, and we believe that people can, will go to a place called hell. But here's the other thing. Look at what it says here in this passage. 
says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the great commission. Teach that these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the great commission. And what Jesus is saying right there is exactly what we are committed to as a church. is We want to reach as many as possible with the life-changing message of the gospel. We want to reach the lost. And the lost are those who will not enter into heaven. The lost are those that are separated from God. The lost can even be those who are religious, but those who do not have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so we believe that people really will, uh, will breathe their last and they will literally go to a place called hell. But here's the other thing. We really believe Jesus can change anyone. And we believe He can save everyone. We really believe in the gospel. We really believe that Jesus can save you right where you're at. I mean, wherever you're sitting at right now, maybe you realize, you know what, man, I have not been committed. Man, I've never made a decision like that. I've never been sold out. I've never fully surrendered. Well, Jesus, can, He can save you, man, right where you're at. He can, he can step into your heart. He can step into your life and change you and transform you from the inside out. And so we as a church really believe that Jesus you know, can save anyone. Now, here's the thing. The gospel, it's for everyone, but not everyone will accept it. Not everyone will embrace it. Not everyone will surrender and not everyone will commit. But we believe that Jesus can change anyone. He changed Apostle Paul. He changed Apostle Paul who was bent on destroying the church. He was bent, his focus was to destroy the teaching called the way. But Paul also wrote, wrote a letter to the church at Corinth. And look at what it says here. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And he's been talking to them. And he's talking about what God, uh, you know, how they have become ambassadors for Christ. And look at what he says. He says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and new life has begun. If anybody lived that out, it would be Paul or Apostle Paul. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. That's our, our task as a church. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. That we're to be about this. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. There's no other way. And so when we look at that passage, we see, you know what? Man, here's Paul, you know, who literally was transformed by an encounter with Christ. And we realize, you know what? Not only did he, you know, die to the old way of living, did he die to the old way of thinking, did he die to this persecution mentality, but man, he became alive in Christ. He became a representation of Christ. He became, a, became an ambassador of Christ. And here's what he's saying to us. Hey, listen, man, put your faith in Christ. Man, let Jesus save you. He can change anyone from the most hardened criminal to the, to the sweetest little old lady, Jesus can save them. And that is His desire. He has come that we might live and have eternal life. A couple of next steps here. Maybe you ought to consider today. Number one is this. To totally surrender my life to Christ today. No matter where you are. You say, you know what, Jesus? I want to totally surrender to you. And maybe, maybe you're a believer. And, and maybe you put your faith in Christ. But man, you're not fully surrendered. You're not fully committed. You just got a little Jesus sprinkled in. Man, and you're just trying to do enough to get by because you, you want to get into heaven. Man, you don't want to really make a difference for the kingdom of God. Well, maybe today you say, you know what, God, I want to be fully surrendered, fully committed, fully involved, fully engaged. I want to be all in. 
But there may be some of you that you've never, ever considered giving your life to Christ. But today, you go, you know what, Jesus, I want you to come and live within me. Jesus, I want you to be my leader, my Lord. And I want you to be in control of my life. I surrender my life to you. Let that be your decision. Here's the next one. To commit to sharing Christ with others in my life. You know, this ought to be a burden. When we read Revelation 21, 8, it ought to motivate every believer to say, you know what, I'm going to share Christ with somebody. And so maybe today, you say, you know what, I'm going to talk with my mom, I'm going to talk to my dad, I'm going to talk to my family, my friends. I'm going to share with someone how they can know Christ the way that I know Christ. They may not accept Him. They may even reject Him. But that's their choice. But you and I have a responsibility to be ambassadors and to share this life-changing message. And here's the last one. To commit to Christ's church today. There's a lot of times, you know, we want to rail on the church. We want to beat up on the church. We want to dog out the church. But let me just tell you this. Jesus died for the church. And it's His bride. And, and so let me tell you, He'll defend it better than anybody will. But the thing is, is He is calling you and I to be committed to Him. Therefore, we become the church. And therefore, we ought to be committed to the mission and the message of the church. And doing everything we can to fulfill the great commission that Jesus has given us. And I would just challenge you, man, to say, God, you know, help me to be committed to the kingdom of God, you know, in which the kingdom of God is the church. It is the bride of Christ. It is part of His plan. And God, help me to be on board with being a part of missions, being on, on board when it comes to supporting missionaries and church planners, whatever it might be. God, I want to be committed. I want to be fully engaged. And I want to serve. I want to ask you, if you will, just bow your head and close your eyes right where you're at. Just say, Jesus, I want to ask you to show me what do I need to do today. Just ask me, God, what do I need to do? And if today is the day of surrender for you, today you give your life to Christ, man, let it be that moment that you realize, you know what, I surrender all. I give, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you everything. I give you my career. I give you my future. I give you my finances. I give you everything. And so right where you are, just say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to be my leader. I want you to be my Lord. And the Bible says that if we put our faith in Christ, we believe that He is the Son of God. We believe He died on the cross. And here's the thing, we trust Him enough to surrender to Him. We will be saved. And our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life forever. Just like Jesus said, well, you know, He will never leave us nor forsake us. If you ask Christ to come and live within you, He's there for good because He's committed to you. He was committed to the cross. He is committed to you. Will you be committed to Him? Father, I thank You for meeting with us today. And God, I thank You for this series, God, as we talk about being committed. Lord, we, we as a church want to be committed to sharing the message of the gospel with the lost. We want to be committed to missions. God, we want to be committed to the kingdom of God. And God, we want that to be paramount. We want that to be the focus of everything that we do. And so God, we ask that you would just, Lord Father, bless the, the, the message today, the teaching today. Your word. God, we know that your word never returns void. But Lord, I pray that there's someone out there. They would take that step of commitment. God, they would be committed. They would let us know. They would text us. They would let us know. They would write us. They would call us. They would do something to let us know, Lord Father, so that we can be committed to walking with them and to helping them become a disciple. Father, use us for your purposes and for your kingdom. And God, as we move through this series, I pray that you would call us all and you would draw us all into a closer commitment in our walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you just made a decision to follow Christ, we want you to know it is the greatest decision you have ever made. And we want to help you with your next steps. If you will text the phrase, my decision, to the number on your screen, we would love to help you as you start this journey with Christ. If you have kids, I want to encourage you 
to hang around after the conclusion of our service. Pastor Nate and our family team have been working hard all week to provide a service just for them. And we are going to air it right here. They're not going to want to miss exactly what he has going on. Now we're going to bring our tithes and offerings to God. I want to encourage you to put God first in this area of your life. We do that through our giving online. Now we've made this super simple and you should see a link on the screen and in the comment section to the Journey Church giving page. And there you can return your tithes and offerings. If, if you need help learning how to give online, we have several tutorial videos on our YouTube page that will help you out. Your giving allows us to continue to make an increasing impact for the gospel. So take that step right now and allow God to bless your obedience. Again, thank you so much for joining us online today. And we will see you right back here next week. Thank you.